This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Okay, I guess we're live now, Trey. You and I here to talk about what happened. Actually, you want to do me a favor, Trey? You go tweet out that we're recording live, and then I'll retweet it once it happens. But um, I'll do the preamble. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Fred Van Vliet just signed the first max contract of the summer, this free agency period. And my God, man, he is now the second highest paid point guard maybe even guard in the nba i think curry is like 50 million russ's contract comes to an end john walls comes to an end and fred at i guess roughly around 43.3 million average annual value is the second highest paid guard that is so crazy i know that back in what was it 2016 mike conley signs that contract and he became the highest paid North American athlete of all time. It was like five years, $135 million. And it was because there was the cap spike. I understand there's a cap spike. I understand that Fred is maybe, he's probably the best guard out there. But a max contract, it was like a perfect storm. Houston has the money. They have the inclination. They want to reach the salary cap floor because everybody on their team is getting paid pennies on the dollar because, my God, you know, it's all rookie scale contracts. They lose a bunch of games. They want to build some sort of culture there. Fred is a champion, a former all-star. And so they give it to him. And the Raptors, I haven't seen any reporting on it yet that they tried to meet it or get close. But Trey, the reason why I want to talk to you so much, obviously we talk a lot, but you wanted this. You were begging for this outcome. Thoughts? The season was worth it. <sighs> this guy. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I I think the major issues that I was seeing, just like from a cap perspective, the Raptors, if matching this deal or the potential one that they were planning, was setting themselves up for the next two to three seasons where they're going to have to play cap shenanigans in order to avoid the tax. And when you consider their position, like in the standings as like a lower tier seed at maybe at best, like a four five seed Knicks type situation, investing this much into your core, that's proven time and time again, that there isn't a level for contention and obviously some constructual issues with um, their front court. I think taking a step back, retooling is the best way. I don't think you you can – I don't think they need to bottom out. They can build from the middle, but it, it has there has to be some intentionality of what they're doing and the direction of where they're going in order to get to some sort of place of 
contention. And I think taking a step back is the right the right way. Okay, so what I'm wondering about is, you know, uh, <laughs> where does uh, where do you think this leaves the Raptors in as far as their guard situation goes? Um, the, I think the the really tough part about Fred taking this long is that all of the guards are pretty much gone. I think there's a way there's either like the obvious option is you trade someone from that front court to get a guard. Like the clear option was um, the Pascal DeJounte type move. Uh, but there's still guys like D'Lo on the market where you can, he's probably going to be somewhere in that Gary Trent Jr. type of range. Maybe you, you then work a way to try to get, do an exchange that way. I know they were really interested in Gary around the deadline, around the, the deadline and the draft. So that's a, a cheaper and probably the more viable option of getting getting a, a point guard that can suffice. But overall, I think with Fred being gone, you're losing fringe all-star type um, talent for for absolutely nothing. It was the the risk that we we a lot of us were afraid of at the deadline. So I think um, you probably start focusing on the timeline of Scotty and OG giving OG what he wants in terms of more minutes. I mean, in terms of more touches and possibly looking for a better landing spot for Pascal to recoup assets, young players, and also just make the floor better for the the young guys around them. So I did this conversation with Will last night and I was like, do you think Fred forces their hand based on the decision he made? Will knows people. He's, he's not like the sourced guy. But he said, yeah, I think so. He's the he's one of the opinion havers as far as the sphere of Raptors, talkers, whatever it is. Do you think their hand is forced now? It it would have it would have to be. They they lost their second best player. And it's very rare teams lose a player of that type of talent and get nothing back in return. Typically, I guess the last time we kind of even even LeBron got the got the Cavs got something from LeBron. It's very rare teams lose out and get nothing. And Fred is like their biggest conduit to like winning minutes based on like the the lineups that they currently have. So I don't think they have a viable path to to winning and probably like winning around in the playoffs. And with Pascal being this old and this good, I think the best ways to to recoup what um, you potentially could get for him on the open market. Okay, so let's let's talk about the stopgap options then we have guys like Seth Curry who is a guard certainly not a point guard Um, I've seen a couple people in chat mention Jeff Doughton I've covered Jeff a lot I like Jeff's game a lot it isn't necessarily tenable to make him the point guard you kind of roll and rock forward with Uh, that would be pretty underwhelming for most people I think I wonder who is your favorite guy in the market? Do you want like the you said D'Lo, but is there a Monte Morris trade? Delon Wright, Tyus Jones, everything localized in Washington. I don't know. Are you or are you like, no, let's transition to Pascal? You really like, you know, Griffin. He's a year younger than Brandon Miller. Or are you like Portland? You know, I what you were saying earlier in the week was pretty compelling. Actually, I was just playing hard to get. What like what are you doing? Like clearly, like Portland is like the dream scenario. Like with 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 them, they have someone like who's a top seventy five player all time, 
who they don't want to let go. He wants to win. Pascal would be the best player that he's ever played with. Even better than LaMarcus Aldridge for anyone. Oh, easy. Easy. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm a big believer in Pascal. I think he's really good. And he's already proven, given a guy of Dame's talent, that he can be the second guy behind him and win a title. So are you, are you going to say he's not of Kawhi's talents? Well, I just – I don't think that Dame and Pascal wins a title. However, I think, I think that close. I think that they could get whooped in a Western Conference Finals again. Like Dame already did, except right. without except without an injury on the opposing team. You're saying they have a, a, a Lakers type path? That's no, or well, yeah, fine. That's that was exactly. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, right. I um, is the Gary extension more likely now? Hmm. Yes, I yeah, I think the Gary extension is more likely now. There was reporting that you know this was something that was kind of being kicked around. I don't know what they would end up you know connecting on though, because Gary's market is very, very undetermined right now, which is also why he opted in. And yeah. Fred opted out. Let's actually, let's take this step back a little. I think people, let's kind of swim in this. Fred Van Vliet, you said sub all-star impact or fringe all-star impact. I think for about a third of the year, he gave you that. I think for about another third, he was probably just an okay guard. And then you know, for the first however long of the year where his, you know, his role was more so in flux. He was still dealing with, um, you know, the side effects of his knee injury still. His shooting was not there off ball and his defense had dropped off, especially at the point of attack. This is a guy who had one all-star season. Had his, in the impact numbers, the counting stats is a little bit down. You know, he had his highest assist per game ever last season. He gets paid double what he was getting. He's the second highest paid point guard in the league. You know, it's kind of like, what the hell? It is. I When I was looking at, I mean, we did that conversation, right? Oh, and, well, oh I, ooh, 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 I was ooh. way off. You're in, you're in business. <laughs> you're in business. Let me tell you, for the <laughs> listeners. So Trey and I did a mock negotiation. I'm the Raptors. He's Fred. I got him to two years, 54 million. Masai, give me the job. I negotiated him 15 million under what he ended up getting and for two, for one year less, I guess. And so you failed Fred, bro. He was clearly capable of. (laughs) That's that's one of the, the, the best professionals on planet Earth currently. He got everybody paid. Yeah. Incredible. Um, what, what do you, what would you have been comfortable paying Fred, by the way? Um, I was, I was okay for the, the three, the three for 90. Cause you can, you can convince yourself. Obviously Fred was like a, a big victim, probably not the word I want to use, but like, um, Nick nurse obviously played him a lot of minutes and there was obviously some negative, um, returns based on of that, based on that, obviously. And then, um, his play towards the end of the year with finally having a pick and roll outlet with Jakob changed the Raptors offense. He shot the ball better. And also with added um, rim protection, they kind of played a bit more conservative as well. You saw his defense starting to to ramp up a little bit aside from the playing, the playing game. Well, it was, it was better because he was, yeah. you got to funnel guys into Jakob, yes. which made the foot speed and, you know, like kind of the, the quick twitch stuff at the point of attack. 
it's a little bit more digestible. And then as far as the off-ball stuff, the Raptors, you know, Fred has been a good off-ball defender for some time and even was last year still. He was much better with Jakob on the floor. Everybody was. He was pretty good when Jakob was there. He, there is no, nobody in the league right now, even close, is going to say that Fred, as far as like if you break it down, however many millions per win or impact or however you want to slice it on the, you know, the Excel spreadsheet, nobody, not even Fred, probably, if you give him the ver- the, the truth telling serum yep. is going to say, I give you $43 million worth of wins every year. However, it was the perfect storm, as we said at the top of the podcast. Not, he was, it was a, a skinny little market. There is a team like the Rockets that doesn't always exist every year that's trying to get to the, like Indiana was a salary floor. Yeah. But what they did instead was they gave Miles Turner this, you know, kind of funky extension. So he got like 37 million this season and then yeah. drops back down to 20 million for what, three more years, two more years. And so that's interesting. And Houston happened to be the team that was like, we're trying to get to the salary floor. We have about $60 million to spend. Jakob resigns. We can talk about that, I guess, a little bit too. Jakob resigns with the Raptors. There's not a ton of like good culture, help grow your young guys out on the market, save for, in their mind, Fred Van Vliet. $43 million. How do you feel, by the way, that the Raptors played competitive enough that Fred managed to get these two against each other and got a third year, 43.3. I I think it it, like bet on yourself clearly works. I need to do it more myself. Um, The the dice man. Every time he does it, he wins. It it works for him. I I think it's when you think about it, like from Houston's perspective, obviously there's like the new floor rules that forced them to spend. They had to spend $50 million today. Um, they're like, they they didn't care. They're like, yeah. okay, here it's irrelevant. Yeah, the money realistically because their next extension will be Jalen Green, which is that what a year or two, the two years away from that. And then, um, so obviously they needed someone to get their floor up. Their pick is controlled this year. They needed someone to help Jalen get better shots. And then also, if Jalen takes that primary role year three, year four, and he he um, grows, Fred VanVleet also can play off of him, provide good defense and win minutes that way. So I think it's a great situation. And I could see why Udoka like pivoted from the from hard into Fred Van Vliet because he kind of fits both both um scenarios of how Jalen Green's development will, will go. And then also with with Sangoon, a similar I wouldn't say similar, but um a slow mover like like Jakob was able to be very effective offensively. Um, Trey appears to be kind of out for the, I'll keep talking, but yeah, Shangun is an interesting um, hub that you, you would hope if you're like a, you know, the Rockets, Fred Van Vliet would be able to play off of Shangun as a shooter. And you're also going to hope that Shangun is able to create like lanes for not only Fred as a shooter, but other guys. Trey is back now. I'm assuming I finished your thoughts on Shangun. I said that he's overrated. I said that the baby Jokic doesn't make sense. I said all that kind of stuff. I see a Shangun is awesome in the comments. Sung Jin Woo, you and I, we disagree. Uh, maybe one day we'll get to talk about it. Here's an interesting thing. The Raptors are apparently talking to Terrence Davis. What do you think about that? I got to go look this up. 
Trey, I got to go look this up. You talk. Tell me what you think of the initial response to that. They they could not make this day worse. <laughs> Terrence, one, Terrence Davis isn't good at basketball. Two, awful, awful person. He's so, received uh, interest from the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, Mavs, and Toronto Raptors. Can we relax? <laughs> Why would we... Double down on abusers. I mean, even Gary towards the end. Of, well, I guess Fred's not here now, so the guard position's kind of up in flux. But like, wow, uh, Michael Scotto, wow, the manager of Dunder Mifflin. He's really breaking news. Wow. Okay, so we'll get back to Fred. He, uh, let's let's do the let's eulogize it, baby. Let's do it, All Fred right, Van Vliet. I you wanted him gone. We did a podcast in January with this Fandiar Berhaney. We all, you know, cooped up in his house and we said we would like to trade. Hey, hey, hey. We said, uh, Chapo, um, we said we'd like to trade. Um, you can just mute it. I'll, I'll talk yeah, about yeah, here. So we said we'd like to trade Fred for a first round pick if it was there. We said that we wanted to do that instead of trading a first round pick to kind of chase this, you know, a better version of this team. The Raptors did quite literally the inverse. They traded a first round pick top six protected in 2024. And okay. They got Jakob Pertl who signed a pretty good deal. In my opinion, yeah. four years, 20 million. That's fine. He's, he's in the middle class of center earners. He's probably, you would have people argue as high as like the eighth best center. I don't think that's accurate. You could get as low as probably like 15. Yeah, I think right 16. now paid as the 10th, ninth or 10th. And I think, and especially like with power forwards who Murad is centers, it yeah. can kind of get a little bit um, crazy. But the thing with that is like, you know, he, he's maybe like the 12th or 13th best center in the yeah. league. It's not so bad. It wouldn't be like considering the unique thing that's happening with the Rockets, if the Raptors matched or tried to match what the Rockets were doing, you're probably going no, like 12, $13 million north of Fred's real impact or, or market. It's just so such an odd situation. And uh, yes, Masai did say that he is a, a top 10 center for what it's worth. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I'm glad Masai likes this guy. Anyway, Fred, uh, he is leaving for nothing for the Raptors, but for himself, he's leaving for a big, big bag. Finals MVP vote getter, all-star, franchise record in points in a single game, assists in a single game, yeah. was absolutely pivotal in winning a championship, undrafted, had signed a bunch of great contracts, team-friendly contracts, like even this one was really team-friendly, four years, $85 million, yeah. two years, $18 million before that. Long-tenured Raptor. He leaves as one of the better Raptors to ever put on the jersey as far as impact, meaningfulness, even if uh, the fan perception did sour. You take the floor now. You like Fred Van Vliet, surely. Yeah, I'm a fan. I think he's good. Um, I think when it's like thinking about, like I guess, his career now as a Raptor, like he epitomizes, like especially with that We the North era like meant. Um, he, he came into the league – doubted majority of the players on the team weren't these highly touted AAU type 
type stars. He grinded, he's worked his way through the league. He was a 905 member of that like core group that really rose up and became NBA players, which is so rare in the league. And the fact that he's going to have made, well, I guess he has made now over $200 million from an undrafted player is, is insane. Um, him leaving like doesn't really have much to do with like his ability for me personally. I think he's good. I think he's going to help Houston win way more games than people are expecting. And probably help their guys yeah. improve. Like, I agree. There's it helps to play with good players. I know that there was I know that there's thoughts about Fred kind of infringing or derailing Scotty's potential, his growth, yeah. his development. But if you have a star, you want that star to be surrounded by good players. You don't want stars to toil away on bad teams, typically. And the ideal is that like you want good players, you want your star to get possessions, and then you want your star to make it increasingly apparent that they deserve the ball better or more than the other people on the roster. There's some mixed feelings about the Fred and Scotty timeline stuff, but ultimately, you know, his time with Toronto is momentous, important triumphant like he's he's a hell of a player for many many years and was part of the most successful era of the raptors uh any other thoughts on that before we talk about possible traded player exceptions for 21.25 million dollars um i i i think personally um like fred is probably one of the one of the greatest raptors that we we've had he's well, one of the longer tenured type guards. He fit like this line of from um, Damian Stoudemire all the way up to Kyle Lowry to him of those like undersized guards who have excelled in the league. So that's, uh, that's the joke I made when they signed Noel. I was <laughs> like, there's always a sub six foot guard in the Raptor stand, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they've always got a guy. They do. For the past decade, over a decade, they had Lowry, they had Van Vliet. Yeah. Now they have Noel on that. Um, yeah, I wonder how Houston fans feel. Let's do that. How do you think Houston fans feel? You just paid Fred Van Vliet $43 million a year. I, I think like they're, they hate their lives right now. So you think they probably don't, like most people look at that and say, wait, we're paying Fred Van Vliet the second most any guard is making in the league. They don't think about salary floor. They don't think about anything like that. They're just like, what the hell? Well, I think because I, I don't think many people are watching have watched 10 Raptors games. So when you look at the box score and you say this guy's making less than his earned average, you don't really see the correlation to how, like how he's winning minutes and are worth that amount. That's of money. true. He's getting paid more millions per year than his field goal percentage. Yes. Is that maybe is that a first? That oh, well, no, because Curry Curry has like 50, oh, yeah, 53. Yeah, yeah. OK. NBA, listen, NBA players, good for them, man. They make a ton. When I was looking back at the 2013 versus 2023, the salary cap was $58 million in 2013. $58 million. And like, my God, now it's what, 134? Yeah. Fred is by himself is making only $15 million less than the salary cap in 2013 it's a there's a lot of money coming into this league man wow you're in marketing what did they do right (laughs) it's adam silver's league he's he's doing the right things yeah 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 
Okay, so uh, traded player exception. I guess there's um, a possibility. This is from John Hollinger, bald king. Uh, maybe I'll follow him back on Twitter someday. But let me tell you this much. The Raptors, if there's a possibility to get somebody back that seems disaffected in Houston, who who would you want that to be? Are you like Josh, Josh Christopher? Are you Kevin Porter Jr.? What's the feeling over there? Are you? I, I think if I'm trying to swing and hope for the best, it's Kevin Kevin Porter. Obviously, like his deal is a no brainer. It's um eight eighty million. It fits in there. Also, he kind of has. He's like one of the few NBA players that does not have many guaranteed money along the way. If it doesn't work out, the Raptors can easily um not guarantee his contract and get rid of him. And he's shown the level of pull up creation that the Raptors have surely been lacking. While he doesn't bring it necessarily on the defensive end, he gets to the rim. He can shoot the ball, and I think um, as maybe I think you probably still want a uh, another point guard, but as a backup, someone coming off the bench, he could offer a potential spark. And the Raptors have gone heavy on their coaching staff in terms of development. Maybe you get higher returns in a new in new scenery with him. Okay, we have Jacob Cohan in the comments says, I'm a Houston fan, and I feel so happy to have him. That's great. Good for you, that's a smart fan. But I feel like it's too many guards. Give us Jalen Green then, please. You'll feel better. (laughs) Um, Okay, so maybe there's something. You know, we have KPJ would be fun also in the comments. I don't know what the podcast listeners will think. I don't know what the people who uh, aren't in the live comments will think. But we have good feedback on the young Rockets guard so far. The other thing I want to talk about is, you know, stop gaps, signing, not trading for, signing. Who do you like? Nikhil Alexander-Walker is gone. Gabe Vincent is gone. Terrence Davis is in play, apparently. Oh, we have Michael Grange bomb. Shout out my guy, Mike. Um, Per source... Raps next option at point guard could be Dennis Schroeder with Fred yeah. a rocket. Raps have the full mid-level exception and uh, they can use it on a free agent. So the 10 year veteran average. Oh, he's, he's saying the stats. If anybody cares, Schroeder 12.6 points, 4.5 assists on 54.5 true shooting while on the vet veterans minimum last year with the Lakers. Okay. Dennis Schroeder thoughts. If, if Dennis Shooters are our starting point guard, we're in deep, deep trouble. You want to rebuild. Yes. Not like that is the kind of the thing, especially yeah. unless they're just leaning so hard into it. And I don't like the Raptors tried. There's the Raptors tried like hell. Yeah. They did. There's no way Fred gets the third year from Houston without the Raptors coming and being like, we'll give you four. And it's for 120 million, 30 per year. Come back to Toronto. There's no way that didn't happen. And so what that means to me is that the Raptors very much valued Fred. Yep. So if they just transition to, oh, it's addition by subtraction. Scotty gets more of the ball at point guard. Dennis Shooter gets... is a Toronto Raptor. <laughs> okay. Dennis Shooter is a Toronto Raptor. Now we're reacting 20, to this. 26 million. Wow. He got the full, full middle level. Exception. Alrighty, we're in trouble. Okay, to everybody listening to this, alrighty, we're in trouble. Oh, my God. Okay, so he's the starting point guard. Dennis Shooter is now our starting point guard. How do you feel? All right, we're, let's panic. Um, but 
I guess the the pitch on Dennis is, um, unlike Fred, he gets to the rim at a very high rate. No, uh, he doesn't. He, he, Dennis Schroeder can get to the rim, bro. Dennis Schroeder got you're, to the rim. You're, you're conflating finishing at the rim and him getting. No, there. no, 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 no. He All got right. to the rim for 17% of his yes. looks last year, and he shot like 54% on them. And he was unassisted on like 70% of them, which hey, is pretty bro. low for a guard. Yeah, I know he exactly. LeBron, of course Who's the LeBron on the Raptors, bro? There's no LeBron. <laughs> Where's Rev Scotty, brother? God, this guy. This oh guy. God, here, bro. But yeah. Okay. He at the point of attack, he he offers some some sort of re- resistance as as well, and like a he, warm body is what you mean. <laughs> what? Well, in the in the Golden State series, like okay, they okay, okay. everyone to to Anthony Davis in a in a way that we would ideally do to Jakob Pretel as as well. Sure. So I. Their options were very limited, and clearly, like, they must have been bagging Washington's door, and there wasn't anything viable. I'm sure they want picks for their – they have all the best backup to low starter-level point guards in, in the league. So it probably just didn't make sense for them to offer up a pick in a situation so dire as well. And Dennis is the best point guard left on the, the table. So so Dennis Schroeder is now – there's Marquise Noel. There is Dennis Schroeder. There's Malachi Flynn. I know some people have hopes for Darko plus Flynn. I know some people have hopes for Noel. I think Noel might have a a little NBA career. I know a two-way isn't super great, but I think he might have like a little two-way career. Um, I I like Noel, even though he's really short. Who knows what happens? I'm not saying this from like, you know, (laughs) he's going to come in and be the starting point guard, but it's Dennis Schroeder. The lineup is going to be Dennis Schroeder, OG Ananobi, Scotty and Pascal at the 3-4, and Jakob Pertl, provided that nothing else happens, which, of course, it could during the rest of this podcast we're doing, but day gum, man. Yeah. That, what, okay, let's do, the, let's do the depth chart. Okay, so that's the starting five. Off the bench, currently. I, yeah. think, moves, I think further moves will be made, if not like a blockbuster where, Pascal Siakam is no longer a Raptor or something like that. Although Dennis doesn't make that much sense on a rebuilding team. Regardless. Yeah. So bench is Gary, Grady, Precious, Coloco, Boucher, Otto. And then like Flynn, Banton, my guy from Rex Dale, (laughs) is talking to the Celtics apparently. Break my heart. Ah, man. I mean... Ron Harper Jr. and Jeff Doughton are still around. Uh, Joe Wieskamp, his option got extended to July 18th, so he's going to be have the full summer league. Then the Raptors will decide. I mean, yeah. W- what seed is that to you? They run it back. What seed? Uh, ninth. Ninth? Ninth. <laughs> so they're a very similar team in your mind. Um, I think the East like as a whole is probably going to be worse in general, just – um, there's Miami got worse today. Philadelphia got worse today as as well. And I, I think Pascal, if they keep him, obviously is one of the better players in the East. And simply by the Raptors' size, they're going to be a team that like people just aren't going to want to play because they play so funky. And in the regular season, you don't have the time to prepare for teams like that are going to like bludgeon you on the offensive glass. So I think they're going to 
to win more games probably than expected and then be in that play in sort of sort of range. But the current how, how do you feel about that? That it, it, it would be bad, obviously. It'd be it'd be terrible to, to one, you don't have your pick. You weren't bad enough to keep your pick. I like the Jakob trade is already a sunk cost. They've they've they the pick is already gone. I, I think personally like where they place doesn't really matter. I think it's more of a uh, a matter of getting a collection of young players that are going to be in Darko's system in his culture, so that the next year they next year or two that they can make a jump along with Scotty as his he's ascending and OG's ascending as well. Fun anecdote from Ron Mexico here: Didn't OG pick up Shooter and slam him to the ground a few years ago? Yes, he did. <laughs> WrestleMania Bros. They're the new Bash Bros. Apparently, it's no, it's no longer Precious and Chris. Um, yeah, that's funny. Okay, so let's entertain this. Shooter is not starting. Let's say that it's an amalgamation of the wings. Or yeah. like Pascal has a ton of stuff on ball. Scotty has a ton of stuff on ball. Jakob is out there, and probably Gary jumps in. Not Grady. I'd assume Gary. Yeah. Unless they're like, oh, by the way, everybody's big again. Vision six nine plus Jakob at seven foot one. Grady Dick at six foot eight is in the lineup. I don't think that's the case. How do you feel about Pascal and Scotty initiating like the lion's share of possessions? Um, I I think with Pascal, I'm totally comfortable. He's already done that for two years. That that's not an issue. I think for for Scotty, you'd be putting him in a position to fail. You've already seen in the beginning of the season they already tried that. With Scotty, he kind of struggles to face up and face a, a flat defense. He doesn't have the foot speed to beat certain guys. And in in a half-court scenario, his strength gets neutralized in some sense because a big could then shade over to him simply because the Raptors have no other no other shooting options. So I think he's not as effective in those situations. And ideally, in, in Darko's system, you have enough um, shooting and advantage creators that he's able to then, then create create out of those windows, utilize his passing, and then have an open floor where he can attack uh, the other team's big. But in that situation, I think you're kind of prolonging where you want to see him win in in the future and forcing him into a position where he's not going to succeed, which I think is a waste of time. So when we talk about this, I don't mean for anybody to come off as like a, a Scotty downer. Yeah. You and I both believe Scotty has all-star, if not all yeah. NBA potential. That's a big deal. That's not nothing. And that comes with us also believing that he isn't like a guy who creates while facing up. He doesn't have the handle to kind of navigate more aggressive defenses that are trying to puncture his dribble. He doesn't have the foot speed to bull pass guys, and he doesn't have the jumper to dictate that he bends the defense. And when he drives in isolation, which he's had success in, a lot of the successful isolations are bully drives where he ends up turning his back to the basket. And those types of plays do create advantages, but they create smaller advantages than the straight line drives that require big rotations. If a guy is backing someone down, the defense doesn't have to make fast, quick rotations where these advantages open up. What happens is, you know, they can slowly shade over and start doing, you know, start, I guess, zoning up the parts of the floor that they're comfortable with. And Pascal Siakam is also a guy who struggles at traditional, like, okay, run a pick and roll, get a paint touch, 
get the defense in motion. That's why the Raptors, they they had a lot of like sticky, sticky possessions because they had guys who wanted to get into the isolation bag. And not only did they want to get there, but the the whims of their game, the rhythm of their game and their skill set dictates that they go there. Now, of course, Scotty can prove us wrong. I'm just for anybody who's watching this, if you want the most detailed looks at Scotty's game uh, in public, they exist on Raptors Republic on what I've written. Nobody else is by, by the guy or catalog anymore. Yeah. A lot of his success, and there's so much of it. He's a brilliant passer. He's a great finisher, awesome offensive rebounder. He does so many great things on the floor. Not a lot of his success has come while initiating offense. He could, of course, prove us wrong, but I think that his path to stardom exists in a more unique role than a guy who's just like on ball all the time, facing the basket, creating that way, which he's struggled with so far. I'd love for him to prove me wrong, though, yeah. and us wrong. I'd love for him to prove everybody wrong and just be like dynamite. But even a guy as good as like Jason Tatum, even a lot of the wings who are fantastic, when they try and organize and initiate offense, they have a tough time doing it. And, you know, playmaking is extremely, I know our friend Goose doesn't agree to the same level, but it's underrated in the NBA. And uh, live dribble playmaking is really, really important. Paint touch, lay down, spray to the corner still so very important and being able to have a big who can roll into space because your jumper brings guys out is also so important. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen uh, with the pen via Darko. If an offense led by Pascal and Scotty is going to be not a bottom five half court offense, which it may very well be. Any thoughts on that? Um, I, 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 I think running the running the offense. Kalen said it said it best. Like you can create the the most beautiful set design, but if there isn't the threat of shooting, and you've lost now additional shooting, yep. um, the defense isn't going to move. Like you've seen it, Golden State have run has run the same offense, but they didn't have Clay and they had Kelly Oubre in in the same position. The defense didn't move. They went over to Steph, and you see that with Pascal consistently all the time. So I think um, moves obviously have to be made in order to, and they really need Grady to be a positive player in the year one. But moves have to be made in order to, in order for them to have a functioning offense currently, because that no one is going to guard Dennis. I think it makes sense that the Raptors. It just it makes sense to to go a different avenue than where yeah. this team appears to be going. If they're running it back. That's that is a really interesting team construct. We've seen teams try and go the way of like wing initiated offense, the same way that it would be with Scotty and Pascal. There are good teams that have done it, but those wings shoot the three. The teams shoot the three, and they both do it at high levels. The Raptors would be, in my opinion, of this decade, like the first team to try and run an offense through two wings who don't shoot the three. And that's just like, that seems like, the, you know, the bronze age or something like that. Yeah. It's hard to justify that. Who knows? You know, maybe they, maybe they do move to like, but that's the thing too, is like, okay, maybe you could have transitioned to 
running the offense through Scotty, like you you have tons of cutters and his like live dribble and keeper plays can keep the defense honest enough if guys off ball are really active and buy into it and everybody's active and cutting, maybe there's something there. But Jakob is there. Yeah. Jak- they yep. moved away from Scotty as a hub so that they could run Jakob. And Jakob was good as the hub. Truly he was. Yep. You have two guys who have been had, you know, successful stretches, but you don't want those guys sharing the floor doing it. Because Jakob Pertle and Scotty Barnes are not going whether it's Jakob on ball or whether it's Scotty on ball, that makes no sense for the other guy to come over. And also, like, sure, Scotty is a good intuitive cutter, but his guy is going to be playing goalie in the lane and can recover to him. And Jakob is not cutting off ball like if they're running a dribble handoff action with Scotty. It just makes it makes no damn sense. It doesn't make sense at all. It me, though. Like, okay, so what do you what do you want? Atlanta? Portland? Yeah, what's what's I, the what's the what's your dream deal? Like tears, obviously, like Portland. I don't think they're they're trading Scoot. Like Scoot is probably they're probably hoping there's like a higher level star that a team caves for. Like especially with Harden asking out, Embiid for Scoot makes a lot of sense a year down the line. If Embiid decides like I don't want to play with Tyrese Maxey as my number two, but um, Atlanta makes a lot of sense to me. You address the point guard situation with Dejounte. Um, Ideally, you want to get AJ Griffin back, who's getting him and Grady in like in in two weeks changes like the, the total aspect of your your team in terms of shooting talent. Both him and Grady are some of the best shooters to come out of the draft. He um, different differently than than Grady. He has some on ball juice where I think there's still left where he there's a higher tier that we can see. He might not be just a catch and shoot type of guy. And then they have an interesting core core of young guys that that could pop off with more minutes. They've there's guys like Jalen Johnson who's been blocked by John Collins minutes his first couple of years in the league. So I would be interested to see him in Darko's offense because he's a great cutter. He's great finishing at the rim. He has size and he's a good passer. So a guy like that would thrive in Darko's offense. So a combination of those three players I think makes a lot of sense. And they also have Sacramento's pick who I, who I think may take a, a step back. They're running back the same team. So I think they're going okay. to take a step back. We have a, we have a great – so A plus 23 says, why are you guys worried? I guarantee you this team wins 45 games. So is that good? To, like that's, that's what I'm wondering about. I'm, uh, it's an expensive team. Yeah. There's – relative to other teams that might be in like the 42 to 45 win range, probably not as much potential, but winning 45 games is not really a home run. That's not, that's not like an outcome you shoot for. I think it's contextual Um, though. Well, I like if, if 45 games would be a really good outcome for this team, I think as far as wins high, we are under the tax. That's correct. Yes. But like, I don't know. Why are we worried? We're worried because the team, as I laid out, is trying is currently constructed to have an offense led by two wings who don't shoot threes, and that would be com- and as well with a center who doesn't shoot threes, and that would be completely unprecedented in the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that like that's a that's a very confusing team. The direction of the team is confusing. And I'm just like, damn, I don't know. 
we, if we sound worried, we're more so caught up in the moment, yeah. I would say. And uh, But of course, it's all fine. Like, whoever is on the team next year, I'm, whoever's I'm, on the team at Summer League, we're going down there in you know a week to talk to these guys and hang yeah. out. And then we're going to cover the team and talk to those guys then. But, like, it's fine. It's, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. One to ten, where are you on the Raptors right now, Trey? Um, well, I think it de- it depends on what's their next move. Like the, the I was gonna say that before, and their next move was Dennis Shooter, but the next next <laughs> move, <laughs> like if they're double, like still doubling down on this team, and they're expecting like the Pascal Scotty pair to be more effective than I than we think, I'm like a seven out of ten in terms of like being worried. Like they're a team that might not make the playoffs. And you're still creating the same sort of like chaos in in your 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 young stars and OG getting less touches. Scotty get those minutes as like your main connector being gone because of Jakob. You're creating chaos within you internally where you're not getting that concerted growth that you probably would want if other guys weren't on the team. And then um Obviously, overall, there's guys like Malachi, Grady that you'd want you'd want to play more in general. So, like, if the context is they run it similar as last year and they bludgeon their guys to try to get into the play, and like, I think that would be a failure. But if it's Scotty plays extremely well, more than we think, he shoots the hell out of the ball, and they win 45 games because of that reason, then that would be a success. It's an interesting team, man. There's like even the Raptors were a unique team the past two years and everybody talked about it. Vision six, nine, there were, you know, diminishing returns, of course, but they just, the point guard who, and I understand people don't like Fred. I get it. People think he's overrated. 43 is too much for Fred. Yes. But there is like a very obvious reason why, he was in the $30 million market. And it's because Fred is a good player. He's a positive point guard. And the Raptors losing that and replacing it with a guy who, I don't know, uh, just came off of like the the vet minimum. He got like a $10 million raise per year. Dennis Schroeder was the guy who, he, he turned down the Fred contract, didn't he? He was like, well, he, maybe even bigger than Fred's contract. Um, but yeah, it's the the Raptors got worse because of this. And, you know, as we talked about during this podcast, our qualms about Scotty's lack of success initiating in the NBA, you know, up to this point, and that typically players who succeed as initiators have either really advanced handles or a, a jump shot to dictate that they move the team or are just rapid and extremely quick twitch athletes. Yeah. Um, Scotty doesn't have any of those. And so, while there are some cases where NBA teams, they lose a guy and somebody steps in and it's like, okay, it's very apparent. It makes sense. I don't think Scotty's skill set makes as much sense to step into the possessions that Fred was using. Yeah. And one of the biggest examples of that is that there were games where the Raptors have been injured and Scotty is still very much reliant on other guys, doesn't flip a switch doesn't start dominating as an initiator, has like a ton of trouble trying to jumpstart anything against his point of attack defender. And so 
Scotty, according to his resume, he has to kind of flip the script. Yeah. That doesn't mean Scotty isn't great rookie of the year. It just means he's succeeded at way different things than initiating offense, facing the basket with the ball in hand and all that kind of stuff. He's one of the best transition passers in the NBA. He's an unbelievable offensive rebounder. He is a really just incredible connective passer. He does a lot and he's a really intuitive cutter. He has great touch inside of like 11, 12 feet. All that stuff. These are massive, massive positives. He has defensive games that are really impressive. It wanes sometimes, but none of that says that the Raptors are going to have like a smooth humming offense. And Dennis Schroeder replacing Fred at the point of attack. Where does that move you? I don't know. Is it like, is it, you know, people have ideas. The Raptors sign a guy, you get excited. The Raptors, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's, um, that is an interesting team. Uh, yeah as much as like defensively as much as like um fred like obviously regressed dennis should as much worse defensively i that's where i get like people there's there's a disconnect here I think. yes yeah, yeah and and i everybody your opinion is valid i just i hope that you you listen to mine and don't get too upset that i think that fred was good i know people think that like hey he's not good the team is going to be much better without him. I'd be surprised if that were the case. I'm going to be honest. But hey, maybe that does happen. Trey, uh, if they're moving somebody who isn't Pascal, like Scotty and OG are here, but uh, trying to balance the the roster a little bit more, are you still interested in kind of getting off of uh, Chris Boucher? Yeah, that that's the, like that? that's the clear player. Like if you can convince Washington to give up one of their guards and you give up um, um, a few seconds for Monte or Delon. That makes a lot of sense. Him, Dennis, and one of those two can interchange in and out of the lineup, help organize the team a bit more. I think that makes the most sense. And then also just frees up more minutes for, for Precious as well to, to get more minutes. Because with Jakob there, it sort of – one big had to fall out of the lineup and it seemed to, to be him down the stretch – He's shown um, outside of um, Scotty the most upside of a lot of our young guys. So I think giving him more minutes, especially now, you're in a situation where you're you're not necessarily um, considered one of the higher seeds in in the league. It would make sense to give him more opportunity and see what he has, especially heading into a contract year. So we talked about it briefly. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> uh, would you would you be interested at all? I'm I'm a D'Lo fan. I like D'Lo too. He's good. He's a he's a great passer. He shoots the shoots the ball well. It's not like Dennis Schroeder is playing great defense either. So I I rather have plus passing and, and shooting that can and he'd be great in Darko's offense and being able to play off Scotty in a lot of those um, mid post situations. I I would have uh, now I know maybe people get upset and say well hey we don't like D'Lo like maybe you got played off the floor in a playoff series it's like. Dennis Schroeder might be the starting point guard, man. This is the backcourt situation is nasty. It's it's not good right now. Um, I got to be honest. I have no idea what's going to happen because the team, the construction of the roster doesn't make much sense. 
it makes you think that something would have to happen. But like many other things that happen, the predictions of how things are going to shake out oftentimes aren't close to reality. Like sure, a guy maybe ends up leaving and you say, okay, we saw that coming, but you have no idea what's coming back. And not even you might not even be in the right ballpark of value. So ultimately, though, before we get out of here, I want to ask you, because you wanted you wanted Fred to sign in Houston. Yeah. The floor is yours. Feelings now. We'll and we'll kind of leave it there. <laughs> um, I, I, I still trust the front office. There is, I, there is no way they are going into this season thinking that the East is still open, at least for them. So there, I believe heading into the year, with both OG and Pascal, obviously as expiring deals. The chances of having a surprising type playoff run doesn't really make sense that they will see the light and they will make trades in order to a like protect themselves from the future. You can't lose another another guy of that that talent again and then um, b getting more younger guys so that we can have a, a fun season that we see shooting Scotty getting the ball a bit more. <laughs> You're not buying it. huh? Well, I just I'm not I'm not sure how it shakes out yeah, the Raptors the and I did this in the early January late December I did it at Blake's house when I was cat sitting for him big shout out to Brody but I went back and looked at all of the Raptors decisions front office transactions that they made since the championship and basically uh, there was outside of Scotty which big win drafting that for big win Scotty has whether it's all-star all NBA, I know some people are expecting a little bit more. He has stardom of some sort in his future. I think that's a great, great you know draft. Uh, the trade for Kyle Lowry to get Precious Achua, you and I both really like Precious. Yeah. I think that trade comes out in a decent manner. Um, but otherwise, the mid-level exception signings haven't worked out. The decisions on the you know around the end of the roster haven't worked out. Some of the draft picks have missed. And while Grady seems more lucky to get a guy who was that well-liked fall to them, um, you know, there's just not a lot of wins on the roster since 2019. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll see if yeah. the if the front office can turn it around because they had one of the best runs uh, from 2013 to or 2012 to 2019 that any front office has ever had. If you go look at it, it's um, it's super super impressive. So to everybody who listened, thank you. Trey and I will have coverage, lots of it over the course of the summer. We'll be in Vegas. If things go crazy in Vegas, we'll of course be here to talk to you. Um, we'll also be there to talk to the players and kind of see what's happening on the scene. We're gonna leave you now, and risking of course that something else crazy happens, but. We got the live reaction to the Schroeder news. Fred Van Vliet, the 13th highest paid player in the NBA. <laughs> wow. He's gone. Yeah. The Raptors couldn't do it. I get it. Four, if they did four years under 20, I think that was too much for Fred. Agreed. So it makes sense. But the Raptors definitely wanted him. He's gone now. One of the greatest players to ever, to ever do it in Toronto. Like top 10 Raptor, there you go. Yeah. Bet on yourself. 
got a crazy bag, over two hundred million in his career, generational wealth. Trey, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think Fred saved them from themselves. I think they're they're late in the late today. They're trying to double down on on this team, and they were Houston forced them to try to give him a bad contract. I think it's going to work out best for him. He got the most money possible. He's he. Oh, got, he's I, good. Yeah, Fred is good. I I think I think he's going to win games and make money. I think that's where I differ from a lot of people. I think Houston's going to be to be good. I think they're going to end up getting Brooke Lopez and they're going to get Dylan Brooks. See, Brooke Lopez that changes, changes them, things. a lot. Yeah, they'll be a good defense then. Ooh, wait. Do they have money for Brooke? They would have to now they have that 60 million available. I guess they have seven. Ooh, KPJ gotta come back. Yeah. That's what it is. They have to sign and trade. That makes um, a lot more that's why the three okay, that makes a lot more sense. So yeah, they would open them up. They'd be at around 78 million then. Then Fred's 43. You give Brooke 20. Yeah, yeah, that works. We have a comment. FEV, not a top 10 Raptor. Too many members of the Raptor media fell in love with FEV. Uh I mean, the Raptors don't have like a a star-studded history. Yeah, like, like, you, that, like you, you, you miss, yeah, you go close. to like the you go to like the eighth guy, and you're already on like Antonio Davis or something. Fred, you know, he he made an All Star game. How many Raptors have made All Star games? Like five, six, five or six. Yeah, yeah. I think I think maybe the haterade. You're drinking it. I don't know if this is a media thing, um, but hey, who knows? Um, Fred accomplished a lot championship in the city maybe houston signs brooke lopez brooke lopez has been one of the best centers in the league for so long i like the houston will win games take even if i don't believe it i like that you said it trey last thoughts (laughs) fourth time i've asked you (laughs) um fred fred is great i think he's gonna prove people wrong he made money the raptors i think will be in a better position because of this day it is the dawn of a new day, and the Raptors will be fine. Hell yeah. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope this was enjoyable. I hope the audio was better this time. And uh, hey, while I'm here, subscribe to Raptors Republic. Independent media is important. They're doing layoffs at ESPN. It's looking more and more like if you want people to get paid for doing work in this industry, And in a lot of things on the internet, subscription models help so that you can directly support. Now, I don't know how many people in this chat want to directly support. That's okay. This stuff is free. But if you do, you have the money, the means, the inclination, feel free. Thank you to everybody, Trey, my dear friend. I'm going to beat you in a couple days in our race, brother. It's going to be on video, July 2nd, 100-meter dash. I'm taking it home. Everybody, (laughs) much love. Okay, bye-bye. We got a podcast. That was fun.